You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they... Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Evert, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 29. Today's reading is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption." You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, as we begin today, maybe we should start off with uh, some context, because this reading begins in the middle of a sermon by Peter. So can you bring us up to speed on where we are as we discuss this reading from Acts? Yeah, always important to understand the context when we read a selection from Scripture. And here the context is the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Christ's resurrection, Many of the devout Jews have gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Now the timeline within the life of Christ is that Christ was crucified and then on the third day he was raised by God, as Peter here preaches, from the dead. On the fortieth day of his resurrection, as we heard in the previous chapter of Acts, Jesus ascended into heaven and was thus taken away bodily from the disciples. The disciples continued to gather with one another to commemorate the life of Christ and his teaching, and on the 50th day of his resurrection it was the Feast of Pentecost. Again, the disciples were gathered together for this feast, which at that time was merely a Jewish, or what we might call an Old Testament feast. And the Spirit of God was sent down on them, 
in what appeared as fire, according to earlier in this second chapter of Acts before you began reading. At that time, according to the book of Acts, there were again many devout Jews gathered together in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and they were from all over the world speaking many different languages. But after the descent of the Holy Spirit in those fiery tongues, what took place was that all present were able to hear the apostles preach the message of the crucified and risen Messiah in their own language. I'm sure, Father, as this season of Pascha continues, uh, we will eventually enter into the Feast of Pentecost in several weeks, and uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to discuss uh, that feast some more at that time. But uh, in the meantime, as it relates to this sermon, Peter is preaching in today's reading. Uh, Peter quotes several verses from Psalm 15, specifically verses 8 through 11 of Psalm 15, which says, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I n may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will dwell in hope. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let thy Holy One see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. In the verses that uh, precede our reading today in Acts, Peter also references the book of the prophet Joel. So what is Peter's purpose here in referencing the Old Testament scriptures? Good question, and let's break that into two areas of focus. First, let's take a look at it more broadly as part of the overarching Christian tradition, and then we can focus more narrowly on this specific passage. Sounds good, Father. So explain to us the broader references to the Old Testament scriptures. Well, it's important to keep in mind that Jesus Christ is not some sort of an abstract person, a person coming out of nowhere. And what I mean by that is that Jesus Christ is part of the biblical, or what we now call the Old Testament tradition. And historically, and perhaps even more so in modern times, it seems many Christians struggle with this. But we have to keep in mind that Jesus only makes full sense. That is to say, we can only fully understand his message if we have at least a basic understanding of the Old Testament. Father, I've heard you say that uh, many times. Can you just briefly explain to us why that is important? Sure. Uh, to me, it's important for a number of reasons. First, I think it's important because I think the biblical teaching properly understood is entirely unique in human history. While you can certainly find parts of that message in other aspects of human history, of cultural stories, uh, moral norms, there's nothing of which I'm aware in human history that completely mirrors the biblical teaching beginning from the Old Testament. And for lack of a better word, I would say that has to control our understanding of Jesus. And what I mean by that is it prevents us from making Jesus into whatever we want to make him, some sort of generic figure. He has to be part of the biblical tradition. And then second, if you don't understand that teaching, at least at a basic and fundamental level, then you really miss the substance of Jesus' teaching. You miss how radical a figure Jesus really was and is, not only in his own time, and certainly he was in his own time, but also how radical he is now. And I say that because humans have not fundamentally changed from the time of the Old Testament to the time of Christ to the time of us. Sure, uh, there have been technological advances and so forth, but our fundamental problems are still the same. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit more? 
Well, just take as one example, uh, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but take, for example, medical advances. From the time of Christ, we've clearly had uh, some major advancements in medicine and our understanding of the biological, physical world. But a fundamental problem still exists, the same problem that existed in Genesis, that we humans don't know how best to apply this information and this knowledge that we've gained. Uh, What do you mean by that, Father? Well, we can keep people alive now in what we would call artificial ways a lot longer than they would be uh, alive just naturally. And that creates all sorts of moral and practical complexities for us, and we don't know how to handle that. And it reminds me of the fundamental problem in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. We so badly want to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of the knowledge of everything, rather than just from the tree of life. And in doing so, and trying to gain this knowledge of everything, we end up in over our heads. So we make these advancements, and we pursue this knowledge, which many of us have benefited from, and none of us really want to cease doing. But in the course of that, again, we put ourselves in these situations where we are over our heads, and we don't know how to handle what we've gotten ourselves into. Again, we can keep someone alive, but then we have to deal with the question of how long do we keep them alive, and what means do we use to do that? You know, can you take someone off a ventilator, or is doing so a form of uh, essentially murder or manslaughter? Uh, When do you use a feeding tube? And once you start it, uh, when can you end it? You have issues of valuing the quantity of life versus the quality of life. Again, to be succinct, we make advancement after advancement, but we continue putting ourselves in the same predicament as Genesis describes. We're going beyond our realm. We don't fully understand what we're getting ourselves into, and this leads into all sorts of other problems and questions. And to sort of conclude this tangent, I want to make clear that it's not like the Bible is anti-science, although uh, some Christians today and, and some people historically have more or less taken that position, either explicitly or implicitly. But it helps to keep us grounded. The Bible helps to keep us grounded. It helps to remind us of the mystery of God, the mystery of this world, this universe, and our small place in it. It helps us remember that no matter how important we might think we are, and no matter how important other people might think we are, we are all just Abel's. Uh, You know, the character Abel from Genesis. That is to say, we are all just breath. That's what his name means. We will be here and we will disappear. And good science, by the way, also comes to that conclusion. And if we all lived that way, if we all lived according to that biblical notion, we would have peace. But we let our egos get in the way, and that was the problem at the time of Genesis. It's a problem at the time of Christ, and it's certainly a problem in our own day. And I'd bet that in another thousand years, if we humans don't destroy ourselves because of our egos, and perhaps that's the end result of our pursuit of knowing everything, but I'd bet that humans will still be struggling with these same issues. Father, I appreciate that tangent. It's very interesting, and, and I one thing that we've said in the past is that one of the benefits of the podcast is that we get to dig a little bit deeper than we might otherwise be able to, so right. I appreciate that. But getting back to uh, our subject at hand today and our discussion of why Peter was referencing so much of the Old Testament in his sermon, why is that important? 
Well, just to summarize what I said earlier about the broad importance of this, uh, Jesus cannot be properly understood outside of the biblical Old Testament tradition. And I know we've discussed this in the past on this podcast, and I'm certain it'll come up again, but what I like to say is that Christians often talk about understanding the Old Testament in the light of Christ, and that's fine. But we also need to understand Christ in the light of the Old Testament. Christ comes out of that tradition. And if we don't understand and respect that, then we can kind of make Christ again into anything that we want. And that's just not right. He comes from a very specific teaching, and we should respect that and learn about it. And in the past on this podcast, and if God gives us the future, we will continue to explore how to better understand that Old Testament tradition. I'll leave it at that for now. But to the narrower reason I mentioned about why Peter was referencing the Old Testament scripture so much in this sermon, uh, as I said, Peter was in Jerusalem with many other devout Jews who were there for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, These devout Jews would obviously have been familiar with the Old Testament, and as their scripture, it was considered to be authoritative for them. They had to submit to the biblical message and teachings. And so Peter is highlighting to them that this Jesus of Nazareth was part of that tradition, that in fact he was the fulfillment of that tradition. The devout Jews there in Jerusalem would not have accepted that Jesus was the Messiah if Peter had used Greek philosophy to try to convince them. The only way to convince them, and we hear right after this passage uh, that you read earlier on the podcast, that about 3,000 of them were baptized— that the only way Peter convinced them was by showing that Jesus was scriptural. He was the fulfillment of what both the prophets Joel and David prophesied. Final question today, Father. We heard in today's selected passage that Peter's hearers were, quote, cut to the heart. What was it that caused them to be cut to the heart? My first thought in reading this was maybe that of guilt um, for the crucifixion of Christ. But I'm really not so sure about that. So would you provide some clarity here, Father? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it was guilt for the crucifixion per se, but rather they were cut to the heart because Peter clearly convinced them from Scripture that this crucified Jesus was truly the Messiah of which their Scripture had spoken. It was really an aha moment for them. It was a realization for them that they had really misunderstood Scripture. And yes, part of that then would have been that Jesus had been crucified. But remember, Peter is talking primarily to a crowd who had come together from all over the place to gather for the Feast of Pentecost. So it was not like most of the crowd was directly responsible for Christ's crucifixion. It's very unlikely most of them had even been in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified uh, 53 days earlier, or had even heard of Christ or his crucifixion. Uh, prior to this sermon by Peter. But they were cut to the heart because they realized the biblical teaching essentially condemned them. Yet again, I remind that these were devout Jews who gathered. So it's very likely they were infected with the same disease as so many of us who are devout. They were infected with the disease of self-righteousness. And they're here learning from Peter that the self-righteous were the enemies of God. They were the ones uh, who crucified Christ, God's Messiah, the biblical Messiah. It wasn't the impious outsiders. It wasn't the sinners. 
who ganged up against God's chosen one. It was people very much like them and like us, devout people who tended towards self-righteousness. And so that cut them to the heart. And I'll conclude by saying if that doesn't cut us to the heart, then we're probably on the wrong side of the equation. Thank you, Father. Today's reading from Acts finds Peter in the midst of a sermon given to many devout Jews who were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. We began by examining the purpose of Peter's use of Old Testament scriptures in his sermon. Father Aaron explained that in order to understand the use of passages from the prophets and psalms, we must first have a broader context to understand more fully. We must understand that Jesus Christ is part of the Old Testament tradition. The only way in which Jesus' message can be properly understood is to have a fundamental understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, to understand Christ in the light of the Old Testament. In this way, the Old Testament has control over our understanding of Jesus. We are prevented from making Jesus into whatever we want or into just some common historical figure. Without this fundamental understanding, we will miss the substance of Jesus' teaching. As to the specific scriptures Peter used in his sermon, Father Aaron clarified that this was the only way in which his hearers would accept that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter convinced them of this by illustrating that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies of Joel and David. This message from Peter cut them to the heart as they realized that the scriptures were condemning them and their self-righteousness. Like the pious Jews in the book of Acts, devout Christians today must also come to this realization of our own self-righteousness and be cut to the heart. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, alleluia.